We're studying the chronological order of scripture. We read about God not being the author of confusion, but he's the author of order. In 1 Kings chapter 22, the Lord, hear the, therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. That's probably a majestic sight to say the least. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. The point being, they, they spoke when they were given permission to speak. In the book of Revelation, the fourth chapter, things in heaven are very orderly talks about creatures verse 6 under the throne there was revelation 4 and 6 a sea of glass like unto crystal in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind it describes these in the next two verses Verse 9, And when those beasts give glory and honor to the, and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before his the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Very orderly. We think about the numbers. About 4,000 B.C., it was an exact date, God created man. About 2,500 B.C., there was the flood. About 2100 B.C. was the Tower of Babel incident. About 2000 B.C. Abraham was born. Now we know from the writings of Peter a day to our Lord's a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. He don't reckon the time like we do. I mean, what's time to him? In 2067 B.C. was the overthrow of Sodom. Also about that same time in the days of Abraham was a covenant of circumcision given. We think about circumcision and its importance. It was given a specific time to a specific people. Romans chapter 2, 29. <clears throat> Romans 2.29 Well, let's go to verse 27. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who are by the letter, and circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward of the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, 
and the circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Circumcision was to glorify the one performing the circumcision. Of course, in this case, it was Abraham. Abram. Romans 4 and verse 10. How then is it reckoned? This is talking about faith now. When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. In other words, he believed God and performed the acts commanded him. That's faith. This was some 400 years before the law. We read in Galatians 3. <clears throat> also about that same time of Abraham, we read about a man named Abimelech. This, this might make sense here in a minute. In uh, Genesis chapter 20. Verse, of course, this is the account where Abraham, fearing for his life, told his wife Sarah how to say she's his sister. She is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Then God came to Abimelech, in a dream by night and said unto him behold thou art but a dead man for the woman which is thou hast taken for she is a man's wife now the law had not been given of course Abimelech questions Abraham calls him out on it verse 9 no law given and we also read there in the book of Romans the fourth chapter, the seventeenth verse, fifteenth verse rather, because the law worketh wrath. Where there is, where no law is, there is no transgression. There has to be a, a law in order to break it. You've heard me use that illustration countless times. You go speeding through a city that doesn't have a posted speed limit, you're not breaking the law. But if it has a posted speed limit, you are. God expected man to keep the law. The law was given in about 1446 B.C. before Christ, the advent of Christ. Why was it so long in being given? Well, man couldn't keep the first commandment. How's he going to keep six? Or, excuse me, how's he going to keep ten? Man needed to see the failures of idol worship because that's what was up until that time. I mean, God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. And that, they were told by Joshua that they worshipped idols. Man has to suffer in order to see and understand and appreciate blessing. Look at our generation today. They've been handed everything. I'm talking figuratively. They don't appreciate it. That's, that's human nature. You think somebody owes you something. Like I say, we know full well God is a God of order. Consider how God regards his law. 
the book of Hosea, an interesting statement. Hosea chapter 8, verse 12. <clears throat> Go to the book of Daniel. You can't find Hosea in the next. It's the book right afterward. <clears throat> Hosea 8, verse 12. I'll find it eventually. Speaking about Ephraim in verse 11, because he's made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. God says there's great things in his law, and they are. The law is good if be used lawfully. It tells us to basically let every mouth be silent. Hear God. Let God be true and every man a liar. But man considers God's law a burden. To obey God's law, Christ... Uh, magnified the law and made it honorable, we're told. It would make us, if we properly keep it, more like Christ, which is exactly what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. The law was given a, at a specific time. On two tables of stone, the one table pertained into the Almighty, the other pertained into man dealing with man. Love God and love man. We'll look at that here in a minute. <clears throat> uh, look at, turn over to Matthew chapter 22. <clears throat> the great, first and great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. <clears throat> Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Now they all supposed to be great. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now Christ had no evil thoughts. We have evil thoughts. We're sinners. The second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, you think of thinking about the law of, and the laws of Israel, of course they added a lot of laws, but God's law, we, we refer to the Ten Commandments as His law, but there was others. In the book of Leviticus, ceremonial law, we call them. Leviticus chapter 25, <clears throat> verse 8. Thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto you, to thee forty and nine years. These... Seven is the number of completion. It's of great importance, especially here. 
This is the feast of Jehovah. Were they important? You bet you they were. Because it was in final analysis referring to when God would tabernacle with man at a specific time. Two commandments on two tables of stone. Love God, love man. In all scriptures, there's this emphasis of seven. The Feast of Tabernacles, God tabernacle with man. The Jubilee, which is what's brought out here. The Jews never observed that feast very often. <clears throat> the Jubilee was paradise restored. The poor man was given back that which he once had. It would be an amazing time. It kept down a lot of trouble. Back to the Leviticus 25. Verse 9, Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound in the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Ye shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. The days and numbers were very important. And ye shall howl the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man to his possession, and ye shall return every man to his family. A jubilee, that was for those, the prisoners, in debtors' prison. They were taken out. The jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither reap, that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of jubilee you shall return every man to his possession. Now they were warned on how to observe it, and of course they broke it. In the Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter. Verse 1, at the end of every seven years thou shalt make a release. A Hebrew servant was to go free, and he wasn't to go free empty-handed. He was to be given provisions. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught to his neighbor shall release it, and he shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a for foreigner thou mayest exact it again, but that which is in thine hand with thy brother, thine hand shall release. Save when there be no poor among you. That's amazing. For the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day. It was serious business. And the chronological order of it, you had certain feasts and you couldn't miss, change them around. It wasn't left up to man's discretion. If the Lord thy God bless thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. That shows that they would be head over the nations. That's a pretty amazing blessing. 
We're told in the book of Romans the creation groans and travails presently. The years of sin and corruption has brought, brought this to be. Verse 18 in the book of Leviticus chapter 25. God lets us know who owns the land, and he does. Leviticus 25 and 18. Wherefore ye shall do my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and ye shall dwell on the land safely, and the land shall yield her fruit, and ye shall eat your fill and dwell therein safely. And if ye say, What shall we eat in the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow nor gather our increase. Then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. He sends his blessing, you'll be blessed. If he doesn't, you won't. Now, this is Old Testament, somebody's going to say. Old Testament has a lot of prophecy. And what laws do you reckon they're going to observe during the millennial reign of Christ? Same laws. Verse 23, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. You are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land your possession shall be, ye shall grant a redemption for the land. If thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of his possession, if any of his kin can redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man have none to redeem it, and himself be able to redeem it, <clears throat> then let him count the years of the sale thereof and restore the overplus unto the man whom he sold it to. If you had one year left before the release, you, you get less, in other words. <clears throat> the law of the kinsman redeemer points to Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. He had to be related and he is he's human he had to be all powerful in order to pull it off as we say today being God he's able to he was able to and he did just amazing things yeah these are some of the good things of God's law yeah redemption for our sins pretty amazing you think about it Greatly to be praised is the kinsman redeemer. Anyway, Leviticus 26, verse 33. And I will scatter. This is what would happen if they would disobey. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and you will draw out your. and will draw out a sword after you. In other words, he's fighting against them. And your land shall be desolate and your city's waste. This is what happens if they disobey. Verse 36, And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into your hearts and into the lands of your enemies. And the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth. 
and they shall fall one upon another as it were before the sword, and one none pursueth. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and you shall perish among the heathen, and, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. That's the other side of the spectrum for disobedience. When we think about, I think, Moses' death, it had to be uh, on a certain day. God takes numbers seriously is what I'm saying. I can find Moses. I might have to get back to that later. I'm going to come to it in my notes. We see the the importance of the numbers pertaining to the Feast of Jehovah. How did God deal with the Jews' violation of the law? Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 36. This is what I was looking for in the first place. Second Chronicles 36, the very last of the book of Chronicles. This proves that God does what he says he'll do and means what he says and says what he means. For 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 19. <clears throat> this is what happened when Nebuchadnezzar overthrew Jerusalem. Verse 18, rather. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, and his of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God, and break down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. Thus the vessels that Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, drank a toast and brought his death upon him. Verse 20, And them that escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbaths to fulfill threescore and ten years. Numbers are very serious business here. A day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. I mentioned the death of Moses. That's in the book of Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter. I mean, we're talking Moses here. Surely God would be lenient to him. God's in, in heaven, God's word is sealed and sure, we're told in the Psalms. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, the days approach that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourself in the tabernacle of congregation 
that I may give him the charge. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. The day of Moses' death was determined by the Almighty, and it came. And we read... And Moses, verse 7 of chapter 34 of the book of Deuteronomy. Of course, the Lord showed Moses the land there. Verse 5, So Moses, the servant of died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, that's the Almighty, buried him in the valley of the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. And no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor natural force abated. There wasn't anything wrong with him. The Lord says, the day of your death, it's going to come. Amazing things in God's law. I've got a note here. First... First Kings eight twenty seven. I think I already covered that actually. Check and make sure. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less is Solomon's writing? This house that I have builded. Yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and the supplication, O Lord my God, and hearken unto the cry of the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee to this, this day, that thine eyes may be opened toward this house night and day, even toward the place of which thou hast said, My name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. They were to pray toward Jerusalem, namely the temple. That's what God would answer. Solomon dedicated that temple during the time of the tabernacles. Verses, actually, this same eighth chapter. Solomon, verse 1, Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes to the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel and to the king of Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the sea of David, which is in Zion. <clears throat> He dedicates the temple. And from what I understand, it was during the time of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Possibly, namely, the Jubilee, the year of the Jubilee. This was paradise restored. This was God, a ten-type God dwelling with man. That's an amazing thing. Man's sin brought the curse, but the new creation will have no more curse, we're told in Revelation 22. 
The tree of life was guarded in Eden after man was driven out. Man was denied right to that tree. That will be taken away. It's a specific time and date. We don't know what it is. Well, one might say there's 77s in Daniel's 70 weeks, 490 years. How come there's breaks in it? We read in the book of Daniel, the ninth chapter. Well, we know that God doesn't seem to reckon time when Israel's out of favor. Been out of favor for upwards of 2,000 years. What's it, what's it going to take for that to be reversed when Israel receives their Messiah and accepts them as their Messiah? Then it, the millennial reign will commence. There, it will be paradise restored. I guess is about the only way to describe it. Jubilee means time of rejoicing. And it cannot be denied the Feast of, Tab of Jehovah, as they're called. For example, the Passover. It's on a specific day. It, it might be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but it, from what I understand, it's about the 1st of April. But it's a specific day. No war, no oppression. Man restored to his possession. Not trying to rhyme. It'll be a great time. Many people like to tell us that these are just Old Testament things. Make fun of them, make light of them, so to speak. Things that don't matter anymore. We're in under grace. We're not under law. We know from Romans chapter 6, verse 14. The law has never been abolished. Christ did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. He magnified it. He made it honorable. I think we're told in the, the Beatitudes. Think not that I'm come to... Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Just as Israel was in captivity for 70 years, that captivity came to an end. And the fact that God's word, he, in God's word, he always seemed to do what he said he would do. We have hope as we see the end of the age coming daily, I mean, it's it's hard to believe it'd be much longer, but it could be a long time. But I don't think it will be. I think it's very we're very near the end. In the also in Matthew chapter twenty four verse twenty nine. <clears throat> Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. 
That sounds like a time that I, I wouldn't want to be on earth to be partaker of. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming with clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Why are they mourning? As I think I brought out here a couple weeks ago, the party's over. Christ is coming back. He's going to rule, we're told, in the book of Psalms, the second chapter, with a rod of iron. We believe we're going to rule with him. And the thing is, all these other things that we read about in Scripture have come to pass. That, too, will come to pass. That's all I have for today.